Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us here today from the heart of Africa, dodging spider eyes, Ross with Johnny Quest. Does that make Jack Bandit? Yes. Sweet. Also from Planet X, with Gleep and Gloop, we have CBS. We got crazy turkey. <laughs> also with us from the court of my tour is Rob. Not not guilty. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> God. All right. Well, welcome to uh, episode number uh, seventy-eight. Yep. All right, there we go. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see, let's see. So today we're going to be doing uh, Future Quest number one, Civil War two number zero, the ROM free comic book day preview from IDW, uh, followed by Batman, or no, Robin Son of Batman number 12. That's for the win. And we'll finish that up with... It's not supposed to have a sound effect. Oh. We'll finish that up with uh, Spider-Man Spider from Marvel Comics number four. This is the uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man, which is confusing a little bit, without visuals. Um, so if you're listening today, um, man, we're going to do, do, do something different today. Well, something different? Is it really? Yeah. Man, so How this do you is, preface something like that? This is something. all new. All, all What were we going to say, Ross? I was gonna say it's awesome. That's all. Oh, okay. So uh, keep listening through the show, and it uh, we had a couple uh, digital download codes from Marvel Comics we're gonna give off during the show. So uh, first one to get it, first one to get it. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Is that how you say that? Yep, makes sense to me. All right. And of course, you can you can tweet the show. With with your findings, if you got it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want it winning, please Twitter us. Hang on, is that how you say that? Tweet tweet, tweet us on the uh, top five comics podcast, so we know you're a winner. Or even better, you could tweet at us. Is that how that works? Yep, yes. that's how it works. Ah, so at and then top the word five, and then comics for the Twitterers. Yep, Twitterers. If you're a tweeter, <laughs> is that how you say that? I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's right. Well, it is now. well, that's enough of that nonsense. Till later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, all right, let's go into a little bit of news from Ross in the dog pile. God damn it! <laughs> Sweet. So, do we want to talk about? Movies or TV or comics first? That's the real question. Man, that's a good question. There's a ton of news this time. All right, well, uh, let's see. Well, if we segue from books to TV to movies, does that work? We should we should actually end with books. I shouldn't have given you that option. All right, let's start with movies then. <laughs> TV? Right. How about TV, Ross? Sweet TV. TV for the win. So in TV, uh, we had Supergirl renewed, but... On top of being renewed, it's now moved over to the CW network. Which may have been where it should have been in the first place. With all the other DC shows. Right. And in fact, I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, 
instead of canceling Constantine, they should have put Constantine there too, and then you could have had a new DC show every night of the week. Yeah, but I think the main main reason it works for Supergirl is because uh, CW and CBS are connected companies. Same thing. Yeah. Whereas NBC is its own demon That's dog. True. Demon they did, dogs. They did, get, they did get Constantine on to. Uh, he showed up on Arrow. They mm-hmm. mentioned him before, since then again, mm-hmm. but he's only had the one cameo. So anyway. The other uh, crazy thing about that is they're going to do a four-part crossover with all four DC shows. So uh, Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl? Yep. Crossover madness. Yep. Sounds awesome. It's enough to make me watch all of them. I'm not a big fan of any of them, so... (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Daniel Ross. I, I can say that I've watched the least of Supergirl, but Flash is amazing. Green Arrow, you know, it's a little attrition, but it is awesome. Or the Arrow. Legend Tomorrow, I think, is actually building up to be really good. Yeah. It took me a little bit to get used to Captain Cold, but it's actually a really good show so far. And it does have Dylan Dog in it, which is weird. <laughs> it's got Dylan Dog, yeah. <laughs> Katie Lutz, who's amazing. And, and another Superman. It's going to be weird when Super, Supergirl meets the Atom. You'd be hilarious huh. if they make a joke about that. Can I be confused? You Are looking you my cousin? like my cousin. He's like, yeah, I'm tall. I get that all the time. <laughs> Shrink fly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Whatever. Move on. All right. And then other TV news. You know, the trailer hasn't posted online yet, but reviewer people have gotten to see the trailer for Riverdale, which is the Archie TV show that's supposed to be coming out. Oh, man. All right. Which is, ironically enough, also coming out on CW. Really? You know what? That one makes sense to me. Yeah. If, right. if any of them were going to go there, that one would be it. But I guess the word is, is that it seems like it's an awful lot like Twin Peaks. Huh. So they're talking about, like, mystery dead bodies and stuff in it, which is crazy. Fantastic. So it's kind of crazy, because we've got, like, three totally different versions of Archie now that are for almost, like, an adult crowd. Yeah, well, we got the Afterlife, and then we've got the regular, more modernized Archie, and then we have this weird Twin Peaks Archie. Yeah. Man, It's kind of crazy, and I've also heard that they're planning on doing some sort of Afterlife with Archie episode in the... That makes just as much sense as anything else. Yeah. So that sounds pretty cool, actually. If if it's actually like Twin Peaks and it isn't just CW drama, which it probably will be just CW drama, it would well, be awesome. I, I think it, it comes with the baggage. I yeah. mean, it's a part of CW, so it's got to be there, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's the crowd you're trying to show the TV shows to. But... What are you trying to say, Ross? What crowd do I run with? <laughs> I wouldn't say you're the regular CW. Oh, gotcha. Viewers, okay. So All right. You don't go there for the drama, I don't think. Exception acknowledged. (laughs) So, but yeah, it sounds like that'll be a really sweet TV show. And then on another channel with some more comic book TV show news, we had the announcement that a pilot was ordered for Krypton. Right. That's what it's called for the sci-fi channel. Which is a weird place for it to be, too, I guess. Yeah, but it's the most sci-fi-y, too, I guess, Mm. because it's the story of Krypton. Starring, I guess, Superman's grandfather is the main character. Huh. So. That's, that's an interesting spot to be at, too, I guess. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. You know, I, I, 
it's kind of a lost opportunity because it wouldn't have been great to have like Adam Strange on sci-fi. Yeah, that would have been Hell cool. Hell yeah. Jetpack and retro that'd been awesome. blaster guns. And mm-hmm. There was rumors of a booster gold going to sci-fi for a while too. But it didn't I, make just as much sense. In other news that we'll discuss later. Hmm. Find out that probably won't happen. But booster gold would have been a cool sci-fi TV show too. Yeah, it would have fit a lot of the other shows they've done. Mm. But so, so this show, the, the pilot at least, is supposed to be centered around possibly Superman's grandfather? I guess the whole show is, yeah. But all they've ordered so far is the pilot. <clears throat> I wonder if they're going to aim for it to be more like Man of Steel Krypton, or probably a more traditional Krypton with no. more crystal structures and stuff. Oh, I, yeah, I see more Man of Steel than that. But it makes me wonder, because you would assume there'd have to be some kind of crazy effects and... At least what I know of, of sci-fi shows, they don't typically have the greatest. I'm going to go with they, their budget... Mod, no, budget aware? There you go. There you go. Modest? Yeah. No? Not always the bet. Sharknado, come on. It, it doesn't always make it bad, though. Sometimes no, they have really no, cool Sharknado, things. like I said. But... <laughs> it's, it's a joke. <laughs> no? But the thing, the tornado with sharks, you know what I'm talking about. We talked about... Different, different, different story now, I guess. But uh, we talked about NBC with Constantine earlier, right? I guess NBC ordered another DC show called Powerless, hmm. which is supposed to be a DC comedy show. Um, it's got Alan Tudyk, in who it. is awesome. So it looks like it'll be a pretty cool thing. And uh, the the main actress is, um, oh shoot, I have to look it up. I want to say that uh, if I remember right, what I've heard about this show is, it, is Powerless is not necessarily about a superhero. It's more about people in the world that have to clean up crap that gets broken. Yep. So as far as Powerless is because the normal people in the world are powerless, which even if Alan wound up being a character that lost his powers and then was stuck doing this, he is hilarious. I mean, Tucker Dell versus Evil, awesome. Dodgeball, he's Steve the freaking pirate, guys. Awesome. The pilot with the dinosaurs from that Firefly show? Awesome. However, it is really weird that CBS was the ones that doing it. Or not CBS. NBC's the ones doing it. Because they couldn't make Constantine work, which was awesome. It's true. So This will be a totally different tone, though, too. Well, of course it is. But nevertheless, man, if it's not... Man, if it's not an apartment full of two guys and a lady, they can't seem to make it work. It's true. I guess the uh, the premise behind it is basically what you said, where it's the world's worst insurance agency, but they just happen to be on in the DC universe. So you have all the superhero destruction, and they're the ones that are cleaning up. Right. So that begs the question, if they have no other superhero shows, then what do they lean on for what destroyed things? They've mentioned in the in the like previews for it... Right. I think this is where it's going to be tricky, because I don't think they're going to show many of the superheroes. But they've mentioned Green Lantern and Aquaman. And um, I want to actually say The Flash. But I don't think that they'll show... I don't think it'll be like in continuity with the other... No, probably not. Stuff. It is an interesting idea. It reminds me of that comic book that was uh, Robot Repair Crew, I think is what it was called. Oh, yeah. But the ones that lived inside the... uh, This has nothing to do with DC, but... They're the ones that lived inside the uh, like battle mech and were the people that worked on it while it was fighting. Oh, okay. You remember that we did that a while back, actually. It's maybe two, two three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a, l- a long time ago well, now. The book came out two or three years ago. We did it on the podcast once. Mm-hmm. 
a long time ago, Marvel had uh, their own title as well. It was called Damage. Same idea. And yeah. It was, yeah, it was very much the same idea. They were the people who went and cleaned up after Spider-Man or the Avengers did their their battles. That's cool. Um, it's an interesting idea, just where the station is falling on. Yeah. I guess it's if they play it if they play up the comedy factor enough, I could see where where it could be where it could hang out. And so maybe the reason the Constantine couldn't make it is because it was just too hardcore. Yeah, and awesome, basically. Okay, it was pretty legit as a horror kind of show. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, if Um, you haven't watched Constantine, you really should. Rod Rodriguez bought it to run it as a rerun season, so maybe uh, that would lead to something else. Except I doubt El Rey is going to renew it as a show. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. But it is nice that it's at least in reruns and you can right. watch it somewhere. Right, that's true. So. It's good stuff. Um, in other kind of superhero, I guess this is more towards the sad side of things, but I never, I personally never watched this show. I've heard it was pretty good, but Agent Carter was actually canceled. Yeah, they canceled Carter, which has been an uproar on the internet about that, which might lead to it getting renewed someplace else like Netflix is a batch of rumors. Oh, yeah, I can see I don't that. I don't know if that's gonna happen or not. But there's a whole batch of people who are super pissed about it. And I'll give you like the show wasn't bad but it relied really heavily on the whole like stigma of women in the fifties, which she's a woman for the fifties, so it works, but it leaves a weird taste in your mouth when you watch it, depending on who you are. Gotcha. Like I like it just fine, but like I could see that there. I mean, that was questionable. Unfortunately, Katie hey, Atwell is awesome. Um, I doubt it's going to get renewed, mostly because I know she's been picked up from some other show that she's doing a pilot for. Mm. What show? Do not remember that. I remember huh. hearing about it, but I don't remember what it was. So if that show gets picked up, then I doubt Carter will renew ever. Yeah. Well, at least not anytime soon. In the, uh, I guess, the other spectrum of TV shows, uh, Cartoon Network has actually posted online where they are going to do a Powerpuff Girls Teen Titans Go crossover. Right. I thought you were going to use Spectrum to lean into the idea of Con Man, the TV show, which is the YouTube show that Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion did. Not Nathan Fillion's castle's canceled. Maybe that'll get picked up uh, farther and done more stuff with it. Maybe. Spectrum is the show they're supposed to be from in their fake world. Oh. Fantastic. Nice. I don't know why I thought you would have done that. <laughs> at all um keep going that's okay but anyway uh, teen titans powerpuff girls which which sounds awesome to me but i know a lot of people don't like the teen titans go or the new powerpuff girls and on all honesty it's not meant for people like me or probably the people hang on like not it. meant for people who's supposed to watch this ross well, my this show designed for it. robots Jack oh your dog it. that makes sense that makes a <laughs> lot of sense colors flashing quick movement Yep. All things dogs like. Since it's a prey on TV. Yes. Small and injured. Go through a lot of TVs that way. It's sad. <laughs> it's a real mess to clean up. <laughs> Bad dog. Anyway, um, I guess moving towards the movie side of things. All right. Yeah, okay. We had some pretty big shakeups, I guess, in the DC side of movies, where they've now announced they're actually going to have a production studio instead of just being... Under Warner Brothers, there's going to be a DC film studio. What, what, what? Headed up by Jeff Johns and one of the lead executives from WB. Which I think they've needed for a long time. I mean, honestly, that's that's one of the things I think that they are really lacking compared to Marvel. And mm-hmm. I think this is a good step forward for them to really build their movie 
franchise. It's true. Because you know, I think I think that's the the big ticket for why Marvel's done so well. Really, is that it's doing its stuff in house. Yeah, and and you're having kind of one person give direction to a lot of it too, which is yeah, it's also a very dangerous kind of thing. By committee, okay. It's one how dictatorship dude. Dictatorship start. Dicta- yeah, exactly. It's how dictatorship start, and <laughs> but that guy decides to buy a chili cheese dog and chokes on it. Not good <laughs> for true. anybody. Not that I want the man to choke. I'm just saying. Green Lantern issue twenty. <laughs> take take that. Um, Everyone's like, oh, boo, guy doesn't like Jeff Johns. I like Jeff Johns just fine. I think he's a great writer. I just love him when he wrote Booster Gold and Teen Titans. Yeah. Oh, or the Avengers. Anybody remember that? I, I know good. I talk about it a lot because it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, but twenty was kind of a death now. Yeah. Either way. No, we got a rebirth to fix all that. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go on, Ross. Go on. Um, on top of that, we also found out that Ben Affleck is going to become executive producer of the Justice League movie, or he has already become executive producer, which sounds kind of like like nothing, but that puts him above. Zack Snyder was in charge of it. So we're hoping for better direction, not as much nonsense that Zack Snyder likes to put in his movies. Well, I'll give you, Zack makes a good fight sequence, and like Sucker Punch, it's like five awesome movies smashed into one. Yep. The only problem is that the backstory's there, but man, it's subtle. Yeah, it's, it's five movies that have no plot. That's not true. There's a plot. There, there's a plot. <laughs> That's not little. true. It's just, it's easily lost amongst the giant samurai buildings and the crazy steam Nazis, which are freaking awesome. <laughs> I, I thought the uh, the title was right. I felt like I was sucker punched after I got out of that theater. <laughs> well, there you go. So, I mean, hopefully that gets you, because of that, you'll get a best of both worlds type of thing, where you'll still have the awesome fights, but maybe you'll have... Ben Affleck kind of holding it together with a better plot. Say that one more time, Ross. I know it sounds wrong coming out. Don't I? I do like Ben as a director just fine, I, and I think he's he's. I do think he's a cool guy. Mm. But you say it one more time, Ross, because it's kind of funny when you say. Because think about all the weird, like I can't believe Ben Affleck's Batman, and now they're like, oh, guess who's going to drive the boat, you morons? Yeah. And he's. They're like, oh, Ben Affleck, right? Yeah. Hater's gonna hate, Ross. That's well, true. And, and watch Argo, or the town. That's true. <laughs> yeah, they're both they're both fantastic. I mean, unfortunately, the truth will be in the pudding, so it'll be whatever the next film is that they actually are responsible for. So not Suicide Squad, but yeah, it's not even gonna be Aquaman say Batman or Wonder no. Woman. I yeah, mean, actually, I think Justice League is the. I think I thought Ben Affleck's Batman was first, then Justice League was after that. No, Batman's after. Batman's after Justice League. Mm-hmm. So the first one we'll see with any influence from him sort of being in the front of the boat maybe will be Justice League. Because yeah. Wonder Woman's already, if, if not done, is in post for edit. I think Wonder Woman may come out before well, Justice yeah. League, but he won't have had No, any. I want to say yeah. the movie itself has been filming since Batman Superman. So yeah. Yeah. I think if it's Wonder... not already done and in post, then I'll be surprised. And Aquaman as well, as far as I know, is already in, in filming. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't think they've actually that. started Aquaman yet. I know there's a lot of the background stuff being done for it, but I don't think it's filmed yet at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also got the announcement of a Booster Gold movie. That makes me happy inside. Which is way awesome. Yeah. Remember what I was saying earlier about Jeff Johns? Good job, Jeff. 
Yeah, I don't know if Jeff Johns had anything to do with it, but we're going to He wrote a so. lot of Booster Gold. He did, and his Booster, Booster Gold was awesome. The problem Booster Gold, they sold him too well, and everyone hates him because they're like, he's such an idiot. That's the whole point, folks. That's the whole point. Yeah. And Boost, Booster Gold totally has the ability to be like how some of the Marvel stuff is a little bit more lighthearted. Oh, yeah. That's 100% Booster Gold. And you can still have like the epic fight scenes and everything, but... He's a goofy guy most of the time, so... Yeah, well, he's goofy on purpose. It's to sell the idea that, don't pay attention to me because I'm a dumbass. He's just like a musician. Take two. Magician with the whole sleight of hand kind of thing. It's true. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe it not. just hit me. This would be hilarious if this is in the same... I mean, because they haven't said for sure. I'm assuming it'll be in the same universe as the new DC stuff. Right. Just because of how edgy and everything everything has to be for the dc stuff to put booster gold as part of that it could be really funny playing off the how dark superman is and how dark batman is well honestly they they need a little light Mm -hmm. honestly films like guardians and ant-man if they haven't shown us anything it's that you can do movies with comedy in them and not lose the the action focus yeah and I think that's that's something that was missing from Superman versus Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, it's half of why they got Superman wrong, is it? Well, yeah, and it's it's not like it needs to be a comedy movie. It's just that there needs to be, they need to feel like people, not just. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things that makes Robert Downey Jr. work so good as Iron Man is that he's legitimately funny at mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. while still being in character, making yeah. making the character work. Not to say that you need to make, you know, Batman or Superman like that, but Booster Gold could be actually a great injection of of that into the series. I could see quite a bit of, like, meta-style humor in that, too. Um, It reminds me of when the Legion of Superheroes showed up in Smallville. It's actually one of the only, only episodes of Smallville I've watched, but when they showed up, they're like, you're nothing like the Superman we know. Because they come from the comic book world where Superman was totally different. So I could totally see Booster Gold showing up and being like, what is this? Way different than... <laughs> that'd be a weird spin if they did that. Yeah. I find that unlikely, but that would that'd be weird. Well, and with the ending of you know, Batman versus Superman, not to give anything away, but Superman could be a lot different the next time we see him. It's true. Not just his haircut. Me have a sweet mullet. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's where That'd I was going. Be so awesome! <laughs> you, if he came back that way, beat me to the beat me to the punch. Then, all right, okay. move on, Ross. Um, in on the Marvel side of movie news, uh, we heard rumors that Michael Keaton is once again in talks of being the villain for Spider-Man: Homecoming. And then, in a separate set of rumors, we've heard that the villain. Is probably going to be the vulture. The funny thing is, the rumors don't connect together. I guess. Yeah, they're like two different rumors, but but they make sense. I mean, they would both fit together. I mean, think about Birdman, the movie. Mm-hmm. Then the idea of playing the vulture, and the idea that he was Batman. Awesome. Yeah, I think that'd be a really cool choice. Um, with that, we've also seen a lot of Robert Downey Jr. mentioned in the. The, like the cast of the movie, and I guess the speculation is that he's going to play some sort of mentor role, role, so a lot like I guess what happened in Civil War, but throughout the rest of the movie. 
which is kind of crazy to think about that you'll have Iron Man be the mentor figure to Spider-Man. Are you saying because he's a drunk he doesn't know how to lead anybody? Yeah. Including himself? Yep, that's exactly it. I'm just hoping for some more hot Marissa Tormey action in there. That's all I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, Aunt May getting down. Awesome. Jeez. She'll be there. Too, too many words? Maybe. Let me take that back a little bit. Aunt May looks good. Take, take, take two. I like the new Aunt May. There you go. All right. Yeah. That was like take three. <laughs> Whoo. Someone's um, got to teach me how to count. Move on, Ross. Move on. Segway, yeah. segway. We're, we're almost through the, the movie news now. So I guess the last big thing is that they cast Kate uh, Blanchett as, is it Hella? The Thor villain. Oh God! The goddess of the, the underworld. underworld. Okay, yeah. you know I don't remember that for sure, but it sounds right. I'll let's say use Wikipedia, folks. I don't know if that's the truth. It sounds right though. By folks, you meant me, right? Yeah. I may move on, Ross. <laughs> if you uh, really need to know, use the internet and Google. Yeah, I. You know, I. I, I can see her. In my mind's eye, but I cannot remember her name. I think it's Hella. It probably is. I, I know that their hell is hell with one L. That's what I know. Yep. <laughs> and she is, she is super bad news. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised to see this being one of the first actual Thor big deal villains be put into his films. Because mm. I kind of expected to see the Huntress... Or the, or I'm sorry, the the enchantress or the huntsman before Hella, yeah. uh, or even Ulick the rock troll, you know, and, and build those kind of characters out. Well, yeah. we might want to get a couple pieces of that in this too. But I mean, we started out with, uh, oh damn, I, I had the name in my head with the black elves and the night. What I don't remember what they're called. Oh, uh, um, Malekith. Malekith, yeah. He's a pretty big deal, man. I'm glad he is. Well, that's maybe, true. Yeah, Malekith I mean, is a really big deal. Yeah, he was just so. It was weird. It was so weird. Yeah, that's right. On top of that, and it was hell up, by the way. Oh, nice. good job, good. Ross. Um, they also cast Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster, which okay. kind of plays into the role or the rumor, I guess, of Thor being kind of a space adventure. Thor Ragnarok being a space thing, right? And having Hulk involved in there somehow. Well, there's a there's a series that existed back in the day. Uh, called Contest of Champions, and the Grandmaster was connected to that. Oh, okay. And a lot of that was like them stealing people from different realities and putting them against each other in combat for their own amusement. Hmm. I don't know if we'll ever go that far for this story, but That'd interesting that he's there. But he he could be like the collector too, and just show up at the end and do a weird bow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does Maybe. that mean he'll show up in Guardians after that, then? Maybe. I don't see why not. What what the <laughs> hell else is he doing? Oh, I, I do have... Independence Day 2? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's true, that's true. I do have a small piece of news for Guardians too, which, you know... I think the less known about it, the better, because Guardians was so fantastic anyways. But um, evidently, it has been reported that Kurt Russell is supposed to be playing Peter Quill's dad... Oh, that's crazy. In Guardians too, so that ain't, that question may be answered, and Kurt Russell is amazing. So nice. The funny thing about that, the answer is Kurt Russell. <laughs> to like eighty percent of your questions in life. Actually, 
I had totally forgot. What, 90%? No, <laughs> 80, Ross, come on. <laughs> Before Rob had brought up Guardians, I had totally forgot about this, but um, something I found out earlier is I guess they're planning on closing down the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride in Disneyland and replacing it with the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Huh. Which is kind of crazy. Like, it'll be the same ride still, but instead of a Twilight Zone theme, it'll be a Guardians of the Galaxy theme, which is like the first big Marvel attraction at a Disney theme park, too. Huh. Well, now you told me it's the same ride, just ruined it. Thanks. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> replace all the Rod Serlings with Star-Lord, and that's it. Right. The dog with the Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Moving into more uh, actual comic book news, DC unveiled their new logo this whoa, past whoa, whoa, whoa. week. Another new logo. <laughs> In yeah, I saw it. How many years? It's only been like five. Has it been five? We're going with five. Yeah, it was just before the new 52. Or, yeah. With the new 52. Yeah, yeah. So like a little bit afterwards. But. New logo's interesting. It looks a lot like an older logo to me. Looks like something our cousin did. Yeah. It, Cousin's five. <laughs> five years old. It is It is a odd choice, I think, for them to already be changing the logo. But I guess they're they're trying to fit it in with their past playing into their future. So. Well, that sounds like a company got paid a lot of money to make some words up. Yep. Good job. <laughs> a lot of money to make some words up. Um, Give me the dictionary. Find me something that makes sense meta-like. Mix two things together. What's funny is it doesn't look futuristic at all. No. It, it looks 8-bit, which is kind of awesome because it looks 8-bit. I guess it kind of does look 8-bit. I didn't notice that. 8-bit. You'd think I would have. I'm surprised you didn't. Um, right, right out the same day and got tattooed. And I'm like, what are you doing, Ross? <laughs> I don't know what that means. He's like, it's a new logo. And I'm like, uh, really? Hopefully, hopefully they don't change it again tomorrow. Good luck with that. Good <laughs> luck with that. Uh, on the other company, Marvel, <laughs> there's only two of <laughs> them. The other? There's a whole slew of other ones in the middle there, Ross. Oh, man. You keep moving that. with Marvel, though. Go my on. whole I know. structure. I know. Um, we found out that Darth Vader is ending, unfortunately. Darth Vader the comic book? Darth Vader the comic ah, book. Ah, there you go. Well, that's I not... mean, I guess the person kind of already ended, kind of. Are you talking about the guy in the suit, or are you talking about the movie with the, this guy in the suit? Is it any different? Well, I guess not really. No, I mean, James Earl Jones is still alive, so... <laughs> oh, okay. God bless you, James. But, uh, yeah, I guess they had originally planned it to end from the beginning. But it still is kind of sad, because it was a really, really good Star Wars book. It was a really good book in general. It was yeah. awesome. Gil was a good writer. Mm -hmm. The art team on it was pretty decent, too, so... It's pretty cool, but yeah, like you said, if they had a goal to get to, at least they got to the goal, and that's that. Yeah, and we got a couple of really cool new characters out of it, and hopefully, I'm hoping that there's, like, a sequel to it that they're not telling us about, that after Darth Vader ends, they go into, like, a Darth Vader part two, or a different character, maybe they'll focus on one of their characters they made for the Darth Vader comic. Maybe they'll jump between uh, Empire and... Uh... Return. Yeah. So we found out what they was doing out there, hanging out in space. That'd Maybe. be cool. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then I get the last pretty sad part of news was Darwin Cook passed away in uh, last 
Monday? Monday I think so, Sunday. yeah. It was just last week. Uh, it was really sad. He was an awesome artist and writer. He actually wrote a whole bunch, too. Most well-known for The New Frontier. Well, yeah, he had the animated made out of that, too. So Yeah. And speaking of animated, that was one of his... That's actually what he got hired into, was to work on Batman the Animated Series. Right, and then were we talking earlier about Batman Beyond the intro, that he did it by himself on a computer? Yeah, he he basically did the whole Batman Beyond intro on his laptop by himself. Which is crazy. Which is awesome. If you've never seen that, you should go check it out right away. Right. YouTube it. Um, on top of that, he wrote an episode of the Justice League, the animated series, too. Right. Which I don't remember the title right off the top of my head, but... Yeah. He did a whole slew of covers and a whole slew of other books, too, and actually had a hand in one of the books we're working on tonight. Mm. Um, the Future Quest book was kind of one of his, partially his idea. Yeah, I guess he it was his idea from the start, and he pulled in uh, Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner to be kind of the creative team behind it. But he actually redesigned all the characters himself. Well, redesigned. They're not all totally different, but... yeah. You gave Birdman pants. That's a win. You know, yep. su- surprisingly, it's actually a respectful redesign. Yeah. Versus some of the redesigns where they come out and you go, what? Why did you do this? Yeah. yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Wacky Races need the facelift. But it's not Wacky <laughs> Races redesign. Yeah. You know, this is a respectful redesign. Yeah, this is playing close to the source material, but changing some things that needed to be changed. But Yeah, so... I guess that's that was his big contribution towards the future quest right at the end. Um, but yeah, it's too bad. Definitely miss him. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's a, another great creator that we've lost you know, in the last last few years. We've had we've had a lot of great creators go, unfortunately. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the way the world works. Unfortunately, but yeah, he had a whole bunch of variant covers. Like night, what four, six months ago, we had that whole whole month of Darwin Cook variants. Yeah, was, all DCs. Yeah, were, the DC covers. They were all really cool. Well, too. he did work on Marvel too. It's not like the dude was a one trick pony by any means. I mean, he did a lot of stuff. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate loss. Yep. Um. Well, uh, now Ross bring it down a peg every time, Ross. That's what every I do time, now. man. <laughs> It used to be that way. Well, that's I know. what it is now. Yeah, I know. It's like you're carrying a stick with you everywhere you go. <laughs> well, I do carry a stick with me everywhere. I know. That's true. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move into Future Quest number one. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. All right. So, Future Quest number one uh, by, as we just said, Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner with extra art done in there by Steve Rude and colors by Jordi Belair. So Future Quest is a, it's the big mix of all the Hanna-Barbera action, basically, from uh, all the way from the 60s to the 80s, basically. All kinds of really cool stuff in there. The book starts out with a giant space war and a dying alien, very similar to Green Lantern's origin, is what it reminded me a lot of. Oh yeah, very similar. Um, let's see, what is his name? They never actually say that the character's name that is coming up on this other character, the General, is what they're saying. The General's a crazy four-armed alien, 
And as uh, our character that we're following goes up to him, the general gives him his armband. And with this armband, he'll have the power to defeat the enemy that they're fighting against. Within the next couple of pages, you see that there's like a whole army of characters with similar uniforms. And they're at their very last stand against a giant crazy tentacle alien yeah, thing. Yeah, like a squid tentacle alien. Yeah, it's, it's crazy looking. They call it the Omnicron. I think it's it reminds me a lot of Cthulhu. Basically, you don't see like its head or anything, That's but there's true. a bunch of crazy tentacles yeah. going everywhere. I don't think you've ever encountered him, but Shimagorath also comes to mind. Oh, yeah, you can see that. Um, and with that, with their with his new armband, with the general's armband, they'll finally have the power to defeat it, they believe. And right as he's blowing up the alien, the other like space army person next to him says, no, you're the general's arm man has a shield. And, and our main character is like, but if I activate the shield, it, it, it won't. And right as he's ending his sentence, it kind of blows away everyone. Well, yeah, as they're, as they're doing it, they've decided it's their last stand because in order to make the gauntlets shoot enough power to destroy the crazy tentacle thing, it's basically going to eradicate all of them and they can't get away. And that's when the uh, plucky psychic, well, not even psychic, there's one of the other other soldiers is like, no, no, there's a space, there's a force shield on that one. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, wait, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's, he knew about it. He just wasn't going to activate it so he could go down with the rest of his. Yeah, with the rest of the battalion. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to survive because he knew the shield only would work for one. Yep. Um, from there, we skip to the Florida Everglades. Where we have Johnny Quest and Haji flying around in jetpacks. Because that's what Johnny Quest and Haji do in their spare time. Fly around in jetpacks. Are you kidding? All the time. Yep. Um, they're actually on a mission for some strange signal to try to discover like these strange signals they've been seeing across the world. They've been sent by Dad to go play in the jungle with the alligators. Which is crazy. It is crazy. And, Look and for science fiction stuff, kids. Good luck. Here's some jetpacks. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Don't worry about the alligators in the water. Yeah. Um, we do see, though, that Race is watching over him with Bandit in the helicopter, which that's a dangerous option, I think. But... Dog in a helicopter? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, from there, we see two, uh, just two people. We're not quite sure who they are yet. Stepping off a plane, kind of talking about how they have to go across the world for whatever they're doing. and um, One of them releases a crazy purple eagle from a cage. It turns out that it, they're secret agents for, what was the company, Rob? Falcon 7? Yeah, they work for Falcon 7. Falcon 7 is their... Their, their boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he sent them to work with Dr. Quest to solve what they think might be a catastrophic world the issue. The end of the world! Uh, the guy's name is Ray Randall, and the girl's name is Diva Sumati. And if you know much about some of the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, you'll recognize who Ray Randall is. Actually, you'll probably recognize him when he releases his crazy purple eagle 
before, but... I don't know how many other guys own Purple Eagles like that. No, it's true. Um, meeting up with Dr. Quest, they find out that whatever is whatever they've been monitoring has suddenly appeared. And they leave to go after it. Stuff's about to get real. Yeah, and, and Dr. Quest is like, well, there's a hovercraft, but I don't know if it'll fit all of us. And Ray Randall's like, oh, I don't need a hovercraft. And they leave. From there, it skips to uh, Johnny Quest and Haji once again. And now they're in for a lot of trouble because crazy jet plane with giant robot spiders has showed up behind them and has released the spiders to... The kids kind of think that they might be tracking down them initially. So we find out that the crazy spiders have been sent by Dr. Zinn, who, if, if you know the Johnny Quest cartoons, he's basically Dr. Quest's arch nemesis. Perfect, yes. Um, and, and one we'll, of the three smartest men on the planet. It's true. They mentioned that earlier in it, that there's three, and Dr. Quest and Dr. Zinn are two of them. So it makes me wonder who the third one yeah, will be. Yeah, because they totally leave that open. Um, Dr. Zinn has also teamed up with, they don't show them in here, but they say it, uh, F-E-A-R. So F-E-A-R, fear? The, the fear organization, are Birdman's enemies. Perfect. From the cartoons. <laughs> um, and they are the other ones going after these crazy artifacts that are appearing all over the world. Um, from there, you, you skip back to Dr. Quest and Ray Randall and Diva. And right about that time, Dr. Quest is like, what's he doing? He needs to get in this hovercraft so we can get where we need to go. And we make a pretty big discovery about Ray Randall in that he's an awesome superhero that yells his own name. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Um, then kind of leave it off from that's there. That's not all he does, though. I mean, it's a, it is a thing that he does. That's that's his main superpower. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he turns into Birdman, and what's awesome is in the Birdman cartoon, Birdman would yell his name to transform into Birdman, and it's so accurate to the cartoons. It's so cool because he actually calls Avenger to his side and yells his name, Birdman, and they're off to fight whatever evil they're going to fight. Well, it's like you said earlier, man, like, reading it, you can hear it, if you know these cartoons, you can hear the cartoon happening while you're reading it. Yeah, it's it's really cool, because they're written exactly in the tone of voice that those characters would have. Even, like, Haji, what was it, he's, instead of saying, oh boy, he says, ho oh boy, mm -hmm. and you can totally hear it, you can hear Haji say that in the book. Mm -hmm. um, well, and they also did a great job of blending in how these characters fit in that world by including fear, by including what race is a part of, along with by including what Birdman and his group is a part of. Mm -hmm. These worlds really do mesh, which I was kind of thinking this was just going to be chaos. Mm -hmm. Because there's some of these characters that they've highlighted that they're going to show later. I don't know how they're going to mess, mesh. Because, like, Mitor and Misfits, how do they work in a real world? where Birdman and, and Johnny Quest live. I don't know, but and I think see. <laughs> I think when you read it, you'll kind of see how some of the more crazy ones are going to fit into the story. But it, it's a, such a good starting point to start off with 
Johnny Quest because they're the more not necessarily realistic, but you could see where that could kind of fit into a more real world. Yeah, they yeah. they can fit a little better. And Birdman is one of the only superheroes that actually takes place in like a modern day Earth. Well, instead on a, of, yeah, on a regular regular Earth version of the planet instead of like crazy space right area. So yeah, really really cool first issue. Um, really excited to see where it'll go. The art is all awesome. It, it it all looks like it could come from the cartoons. Even better. Like it, it's all really great. Even the backup artist who is Steve Rude, I had talked to you guys about before, but he actually worked on '80s Space Ghost and '80s Johnny Quest. Which is freaking awesome. So that's so cool that they went to the effort to actually get someone that had worked on those characters before just for the backup artist. Um, and the main art, like I said, is is really good. They picked the perfect artist, I think, for this series. Yeah, it's a really good fit. Like, everything flows together pretty nicely. It's it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a rating, I was talking to Steve about this earlier. I really want to give it a 5 out of 5. I really, really like the first issue. Yeah. Um, if it's not a five out of five, it's a really close, like four point nine 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 five out of five. <laughs> it's, so, it's a good score, Ross. Yeah, good job. Great colors, great art, great writing, and all fits together. Awesome. It sets up a really cool new story. Right on. Um, but, you know, I'd fall asleep with you. I mean, you know, I give it four and a half. I don't know if I believe there's actually a real five or not. Have I ever given a five? I don't know if there is or not. I don't really think that exists. I, I think we've. I think we've given five. Stars. I don't think I have. I know I've given lots of fives. Well, there you go. I give I give it a I give it a four point eight, just so it can be a little different than Ross. It is fantastic. Like, it really is a fun book. If you've watched any of these shows, enjoyed any of them ever, like even if you just watched Space Coast Coast to Coast, I mean it's a different kind of enjoyment. But this this book's freaking awesome. Like the in catch is great. The two catches in the middle are great. Like it's it's uh it's got some interesting stuff in it, man. Like Rob was saying before, stuff fitting together, it does sound like chaos. Mm-hmm. But man, they well, did a good job. It fits really good. Most of these characters have never had any kind of origin at all, and they did a really awesome job of giving them of origins that really fit with the characters and will make them really fit together. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, I I'm a big Birdman fan. And so I've always been like kind of sad that Birdman is now Harvey Birdman to mm-hmm. everybody, but the way they play him off in this story, the the way he's reacting to the sun, and then how how he kind of goes through his transformation and everything, this is a great take. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I I guess for me, score Rob go. Right, let's go ahead and make it a four point nine. I'm gonna follow up with with Ross on this. Honestly, I I was expecting Scooby Doo Apocalypse to be the one that really caught me up and and be my book that I wanted to care a lot about. But Future Quest, I think it knocked it out. I really think it's it it blew me away with what I expected from it. It has a lot of great connection to the old cartoon, so if you were a Hanna-Barbera kid and you grew up with these, you're going to get a little bit more than the average reader, but if you never saw Space Ghost, you never saw Mitor or Misfits or Johnny Quest, you can still pick this up and you get the idea of who these characters are. You don't need any of that before to enjoy this book, and I think that's a great triumph in itself. And it's, it's like we were talking before with the redesign of the characters, mm-hmm. and that it's a really re- respectful 
redesign and re-storytelling where you're not like, what the heck is this? You're like, oh, this is really cool. This is kind of how I pictured a lot of these characters in my head, like, as backstory with what wasn't happening in the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I think we got a by proxy bid, bid from uh, old Mike, uh, who hasn't been in the show for a minute, but uh, score-wise, he gives, he gives it a five, which is good times. Sweet. Unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to Curtis this week, so... Uh, and I don't know if Curtis, Curtis hasn't been in, the, been in this week, so I don't know if he's actually got to see this book yet or not, but... I, I have Curtis a feeling like he'd, lot, he'd be so. in the same ballpark, most likely, but yeah. Um, so score-wise, good, good scores across the board. It's good I think, stuff. I think I'm scooting mine up to the five. All right. All well, there you go. <laughs> Chips all in. All right. Yeah. Vegas, baby. I don't know how that has anything to do with anything. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, let's move on to the next uh, Civil War Two number zero. That's an interesting title. A couple of numbers on there. Isn't it? It's good times. Yeah. Uh, Rob, you told me a story about the Civil War. <laughs> I'll certainly try. Hopefully we're going to be coming back to this as we go, because I think this is going to be a big, impactful event. Um, definitely the event is selling itself with the the movie so close to this. But this isn't just rehashing Civil War, and it's not just changing who the characters were that were associated with it. That being said, Brian Michael Bendis is doing the writing on it, who is a fantastic writer. Um, loved the stuff that he's done before. Oliver Capel? Or Capel? Coipel. Coipel. Is, is the artist for it, who is amazing. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be continuing to do the rest of the Civil War, but this issue is stunning. Yeah, the art looks really good on it, story-wise. I mean... As far as Ben has been doing things great for a while, and so is Capel actually. Both of them yes. are decent, decent folks. But yeah, the first this this particular issue, good stuff, man. Like it's he makes Carol look great. So and She Hulk looks awesome. It's the true. whole opening for the court case scenario, yeah, it's awesome, dude. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Justin Punzer being the being the colors for the book. So I don't know why that's a course, but. It is. <laughs> um, yeah, we we actually open with uh, She-Hulk in her... Actually, just as She-Hulk, being a, a defense attorney for a former supervillain who evidently had a lot of flamboyancy in his past. He winds up kind of... It, it sounds like, at least from what She-Hulk has to say, he winds up being kind of entrapped. He was talking about his prior life and some of the things he would want to do he was talking to federal agents ultimately they couldn't make a case but they needed to justify what they were doing so they threw him in jail for basically talking about once being a supervillain what shiok is trying to get people to understand is that we have to let people pay their debts and move on we can't just convict them before they actually commit any crimes we need to see these people as, as people before we see them just as the criminals that they once were or the crimes that they had committed at one point in their past. And I think that's the big thing there is that you have to give everyone equal treatment. You can't treat a regular person different than you would the supervillain if they did the same crime. That's true. Well, and I think the deeper element is, is what this story is really going to be all about is... Not 
making the decision before somebody makes an action mm. and whether we can justify that or not. Um, there's actually a lot of crazy big implications that occur in here. One really big one with War Machine um, that we're going to kind of leave past that point. Um, and then we come into something that I thought was actually really super cool because if you've been following what's going on with Marvel, you know that the Trigen Mist is still rolling around the planet. The Terrigen Mist? Terrigen Mist. Yep. Um, it's pronunciation, sorry. <laughs> um, but it can be visibly seen. And one of the parts in the middle of the story winds up actually being a college campus that are all out, like, oh, we're going to stand in the Trajan Mist. And they're all talking about how, oh, wouldn't it be cool if one of us was inhuman? You know, who knows? Uh, the reality of the mist coming in and people changing can be pretty scary. It's uh, super what, freaking crazy. What like, exactly was that? I, I don't know. It, it's something that actually came out of... Um, Gosh, it came out of the Infinity, Infinity. the Infinity miniseries or yeah. story story arc, I guess. What event? Event. Event. Um, basically, long story short, um, Black Bolt wound up destroying Adelan, along with the like real big stockpile of Terrigen or Triogen the uh, crystals, making it into a mist form that is now circulating around the planet. Now, eventually, the mist will dissipate. But what's happening is, as it rolls through cities and across the ocean and into new continents, anyone who has inhuman DNA is being activated and becoming a, an, inhum an inhuman. Oh, okay. Or dying if they don't have enough in them. Mm. So there's been a fair amount of folks who have died from it, too. Yeah. It is also causing a wide-scale sickness in mutants, which is something that has become... A big deal in the, in the series so mm. far, but basically in humans the DNA form has existed uh, evidently with us since like pre cave men days supposedly. Well, yeah, the way it was set up is like apparently the Inhumans are an off. There's two different groups of Inhumans that lived on Earth. They were put here by the Kree. Yeah, Kree. As basically here to terraform the Earth. Well, then the Kree got in a giant war in space with the Skrulls and. The folks who were in charge of whatever science experiment was going on down here on Earth basically got dead. And so they were just left here to do whatever and had nobody telling them what to do or nobody running the program anymore. So huh. eventually, some of the Inhumans living in the city of Adelan were like, you know what, this is stupid. We're going to go live on the Earth and mingle with the population of Earth. And another group, which the royal family is mostly part of the other group, it was like, no, no, we're going to stay here and wait for the for the, for the the Kree to come back. And then you fast forward years and years and years later after the split. Well, the ones that went and mingled with humans, for all intents and purposes, unless you've gone through the mist, you, you don't look different. You look like a human, mostly. Yeah. I mean, there are ones that have powers that look like humans too, but generally when you go through the mist, it turns into some crazy thing. Yeah, so... Yeah, it activates your your dominant traits, and generally it gives you a crazy like look to you, or spikes, or flames, or whatever. Not everybody's affected the same way, but it basically transforms you, like you, your mutation happening. Well, after breeding with humans, the the genes are still there; they've just been dormant for years. And once they mingle with humans, eventually the idea of them being different wasn't even there anymore. So now you fast forward to now, and you have this whole population of 
maybe they have dormant dreams, maybe they don't, you know? I see. It's just like a, a, a blood type. As far as, like, the country's concerned, a lot of us have Native American genes in us. Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows they do, but it'd be like if that all of a sudden could transform you into a crazy power person by this mist happening, then maybe I it would. See. So it's it's one of those, it's it's, it's a pretty interesting concept, just the idea of the intermingling of species or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what we got going on at the college campus is a whole bunch of college student types are like, oh man, this is going to be freaking awesome. And then stuff happens and maybe it's not so awesome. I see. Uh, the next little element that we get into is uh, this pretty in-depth conversation between Captain Marvel and Doc Samson. Mm-hmm. And from what I gather kind of from that conversation, it sounds like she is equating her time with Alpha Flight and her time as kind of this guardian of the Earth to being like her cousin, I think it was, um, who is constantly having to watch their children because their children will, like, attack each other or are always causing problems, and you're only stopping one disaster after another, and as soon as you look away, it's a new disaster. And that's how she kind of feels like the Earth has become. And so it sounds like she's kind of leaning towards this idea of, like, if there was some way to just stop that, if we could just see the events before they happen... Could we actually be safe instead of just putting out fires? Um, there's some interesting cliffhangers at the end of it, and I think that's a lot of what this story is going to be about. Is it's, it? It feels like it's going to be a lot about the morality of like making a decision before somebody has actually done something wrong, mm-hmm. and we see that play out with the ultimate end of that lawsuit with She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And we see that kind of with Captain Marvel and, and the way that she is uh, reacting with, uh, with Dr. Uh, Samson. Samson. <laughs> and there's a lot of like other key events in this book that we don't really want to spoil for anybody as we go forward. But Civil War II, it's not going to be like Civil War One, but it is going to divide the, the Marvel U, and it's going to divide it in an interesting way. I'll have to see how that's really going to play through, but don't skip this Zero issue because a lot of important things happen in it. Yeah, and like you said, it sets, sets a pretty good tone. I mean, it's very minority report going on. So, um, Rob, score for the book? Um, I give it a very high. I think I'll give it a four. Uh, really enjoyed it. Our work for it is fantastic. I really like um, Brian Michael Bennis. I think this is going to have the impact that I thought the first Civil War was going to have. So, I don't know, I, I, I feel like this is going to be really strong. I don't feel like this is just jumping on the bandwagon to sell that name. Like, I think they really have something going here. Sweet. Uh, Rob? Oh, hang on, yeah. one more time. Uh, Ross? I'm going to agree with Rob. I give it a four as well. Uh, like Rob was talking about, I was kind of worried that it was just going on the popularity of the Captain America Civil War movie that just came out. But it's such a totally different thing than that and than what I was expecting. Personally, I don't have a lot of experience with these Marvel characters that we're dealing with in this. But after reading about them here, I kind of want to know more about what they were like and where this is going. Um, In particularly, one of the parts we skipped really was super crazy, and I didn't expect it at all whatsoever. So, a lot of cool twists and a really cool concept for where they're going with it. 
Yes, give it a four. Awesome writing, awesome art. Right on. Um, I give it four and a half. Uh, score wise, I mean, book wise, the art's good, the story's good. There's multiple hooks. I mean, as far as like seeds for other stories, man, if if they don't follow, if they follow even half the ones that are in this first book. There's some super interesting stuff that's going to happen on multiple levels, and not just not just this particular group with Iron Man versus Captain Marvel, but like subsequent characters connected to both, which it seems freaking awesome. I mean, it's it's a really crazy brooch. I mean, the thing in the middle that they're talking about is awesome. It's super interesting. Is that who they've been saying that like the two groups fighting are? Most of the pictures. Man. sell those two characters as the forefront. That's so crazy. Right. One of them wasn't even in the Zero no, issue. No, not at all. And yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and the other thing is, you know, a lot of times when you when you get a comic, it's it's really like a lot of the action that sells it. This was ninety percent dialogue. Mm. Uh, really strong dialogue too. Like I was saying, the whole court case scenario at the beginning, man, it's written really well. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, it's super interesting. And and we totally jumped everything with War Machine just because of so much of what it was was, like, pretty impressive. Like, you need to read yeah. this. If you like War Machine, you got to read this story. I'll say I never saw his character going that way, but it totally makes sense what they did with it. So, Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, I think it sets up Civil War II to be really cool. I mean, I kept expecting this to connect to the Pleasant Hill storyline, but the fact that it doesn't, awesome. And what they're leaning for with here even winds up being a She-Hulk Marvel thing. Awesome. I mean, they did a really good job with both of them. Good stuff. So, uh, alright. Um, well, let's go and do, uh, let's do a code. You wanna do a code? Yeah, let's do a code. Alright. <laughs> um, let's see. Loyal listeners, get out your decoder ring. Which, which, which one are we? This is gonna be Deadpool and the Mercs for Money number three. Awesome. Let's get to the thing with the... Alright, players at home. Code reads... F like Frank. C like Cat. M like Mary. F like Frank. J like John. W like Will. 6. N like Nancy. Z like Zed. P like Peter. <laughs> J like John. And W like Wilma. I'm not going to read it again. You can back up and play it again if you need to. <laughs> All right. So what was that code for again? Tell them one more time. <laughs> this is for the dig digital download code for Marvel, Deadpool, and the Mercs for Money, number three. So first person to enter that. First person that gets entered gets the code, gets the book. That's uh, first come, first serve, because the code's only good for one. So, hey, uh, fight amongst yourselves. And remember, tweet us. Let us know what you think of the book. Right, well, yeah, we'd like the winners to let us know who the, who won, because honestly, we have no way to prove that you're the one that did it. That's true. And we want revenge. No? <laughs> we'd like to know? <laughs> yes. Win winners can be entered for other eligible prizes? Uh, no, I, don't, I don't know about that. No, I mean, well, we'll see. Maybe a no prize. Yeah, well, you know. We have some of those from old Marvel. That's like true. Stays. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. No prizes. Okay, well, let's move on to another book. Ha, ha, ha. So let's do ROM. Oh, my God. Rom the Space, well, this is just Rom. Uh, from the Free Comic Day preview, book came out from IDW. Um, now, if you know Rom at all, you'll remember Rom from the uh, 80s Marvel comics, or from the action figure made by Hasbro. Uh, this particular book has a cover by uh, Zach Howard, uh, our buddy over in uh, Boulder. He's a fantastic artist. Uh, did a book called Wild Blue Yonder, which we reviewed a few months back. 
well, like a year ago now. Fantastic. Um, see, uh, we're dealing with uh, the plot and scripts by uh, Chris Ryle and uh, Christos Gage. And uh, inks, and, inks and colors and pencils are by David Messina, which sounds to me like a wrestler, but I don't think that's what he is. <laughs> anyway, um, so basically we kick off the story. Uh, we've got these two officers driving, trailing down the road, and they're both being called out to uh, some type of disturbance. And one of them assumes it's just another fire along the coast, or well, not like, like a beach fire. They are a, a coastal couple of officers, and uh, they're on their way out to deal with what they think is going to be a group of kids with a bonfire that's gotten too big. And as they're driving, they get passed by a giant, like, people mover Humvee. And they're both like, what the hell? Because the, the female driver says that she's going about 90, and this car just goes around them like nothing. Or not car, military vehicle. Once they finally catch up uh, to the military vehicle, they find there's a whole group of... Uh, Mercenary types, um, all dressed in full gear, and neither one of the police believe this is a normal beach fire any longer. They went up meeting one of the officers or one of the uh, military guys, and he asked who they are. They explain who they are, which is a couple of deputies, and they think they're being called out for some normal disturbance. And he tells them, well, stay back, my man got this. We're not alone out here. And about that time, we uh, wind up seeing Rom, Rom, the space knight, emerge from the uh, shadows uh, in all his silver toaster head glory. I, I love awesome. the effect they did on his eyes, too, when right. he first shows up. It's pretty pretty awesome. Um, well, of course, our military men draw down on Rom, and as he talks to them, of course, it doesn't make any sense because gibberish, well, to us. Uh, then eventually, Rom starts scanning the uh, indigenous life, as he calls us, and uh, inherits our language in order to be able to communicate. And he tells them that's what he's going to do. He says, oh, I don't mean you any harm if you're from this earth, or from this world. And uh, about that time, our main military guy, who's uh, a little, um, I don't know, what do you call that, over the over the top? Ener energetic, there you go. He's like, oh, weapons are charging, fire, fire now! And so, of course, they start shooting at Rom, and Rom gets up and he's like, oh, your weapons caught me on guard and knocked me down. Says something about that that's really not effective and won't happen again. And he's like, and if you're of this earth, you won't have any problem. And he starts scanning the crazy lights from his hands. And, of course, our military dude's like, oh, no, I've been shot, I've been shot, which is kind of hilarious, because it just proves he's very aggro for no reason. And uh, at that point, he's like, oh, it's just a light. And the two dudes next to him are both like, get ready, brother. And they draw down a rum. We find out they are crazy, dire wraith alien things. <laughs> which is crazy. I don't, I don't know if crazy is a good enough word to describe. You know, I, it, once they start transforming into the... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's nuts. They're, it is crazy. Anyway, they shoot Rom, and he's like, oh, I can take that, you know, it's it hurts, but you're not going to be able to take my, well, he doesn't call it the ultimate nullifier anymore, which would be awesome if it was, um, but uh, his, his neutralizer is what he calls it now, he lets the neutralizer sing, which is basically his ray gun, and it melts the hell of the two army guys next to him, which is kind of awesome. Uh, at which point we run into with one of the third military men who, at this point, both our police officers are like, oh my god, what the hell is going on? And sort of freaking out. Then we get one of the transformations, which is what Ross alluded to being crazy, um, as the dire wraith spurs both of them in the head and then starts draining the life from the, uh, the male officer. And he talks, starts, he's running his mouth about something about the girl being marked and we don't really know what that means yet, but I assume it's going to come back in the regular 
issues of the series here in July, probably. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, he goes after Rom, and at this point he's transformed to the point of being crazy monster with like blood wings and crazy teeth and a giant mouth thing going on. Yeah, I think he calls himself a Wraith Hawk. Yeah, Wraith Hawk. Yeah, Wraith Hawk. So there's a little more fighting or whatnot. I mean, it is a very short story because it's a free comic day preview. But Rom basically takes him out, and then Rom's like, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to protect Earth and uh, take out the Dire Wraiths. See y'all later. And away he flies. I love the, the last thing. The guy's like, Dire Wraiths? And <laughs> right. He, like, no clue what just happened at all. He, Rom's like, now, now your war is Rom's war. And he flies away, and the guy's like, Dire Wraiths? And the girl's like, War? What? Yeah, the other thing I liked was uh, one of the one of the officers is like, we've been invaded, and he's like, no, you've been invaded for a long time. I've yeah. just come to find out what's actually here. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Like, it's like, I'm here to fix the problem now. It's pretty much what Rom's deal is. Uh, they do have a cool like uh, breakdown of Rom's armor and a few character designs in the middle of the book, uh, which is followed up by a little Action Man story, which, I mean, whatever. We're here for Rom, folks, not for <laughs> Action Man. It's actually tell you something. Uh, anyway, uh, the Rom book's going to start in July. Uh, again, I'm a very big fan of Rom. Uh, if you haven't noticed from the last few episodes of my books to watch, I'm like, Free Comic Day Rom. Uh, now there's still a Free Comic Day Rom. Well, there still is, but the regular series will start in July. So We'll just get out one of the Free Comic Day ones every week until then. Every week till then. That's going to be a lot of Rom in there for... <laughs> They are going to do a bunch of variants over at IDW. There are ROM variants also. It's like the subscription covers for that month. They're going to feature ROM on the cover. That's pretty Not sweet. necessarily in the story, but in the comic cover it will be. So that's going to be freaking awesome. That's always my biggest disappointment about covers like that, is I want the story to be the <laughs> right. same thing so bad. But... Well, I can tell you, the Ponies cover with the ROM pony, pretty sure there's going to be no ROM pony inside of it. Oh. Sad day for everybody. Score-wise, I mean, like I said, it's not a super long uh, book because it's a preview. But I think they knocked it out. I mean, I was really kind of worried, like, what the stories were going to be about. And it seems like, basically, Rom doing what Rom always did. Going out to die race and trying to protect people from crazy monsters. Uh, so, I, you know, I give it a four. I mean, the art's, the art's good. Uh, the cover's great. I mean, Zach killed the cover. It's great. Um, as far as the art interior on the preview, it's awesome. It'll be interesting to see once we get to the book what we really get out of it. But as far as the setup issue... I'm pretty happy with it. So, yeah, I give it four. Did I say four? Four and a half? Four? Four. four. I think four. <laughs> I'll go with four. Okay. How many fingers on a hand? Don't count the thumb. Four. Uh, All right. Rob, score for the book? All right. Uh, I think I'll actually give it 3.5. I, I remember Rom back in the day. I really liked it. Uh, I thought this was a great interpretation. Rom speaks a little weird in the story, but I think it's because he's adjusting to English language. I do like the way that they made the Dire Race look. So, I like the take of it. A little bit better. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's going to be a really cool story, and I think they have a, a lot of opportunities to make it great. Mr. Roth? I'm going to give it a three and a half as well. Um, probably, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but that was the first ROM thing I've ever read, ever. <laughs> it was really cool. It was totally is awesome in a way that Civil War wasn't. It was like a totally different kind of awesome there. But the art was really good, and the story was crazy, and yeah, and Rom was awesome. I do, I do love me some Rom. It's one of my favorites. More Rom all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's uh, let's move on to another book so I can quit talking about Rom. 
Mr. Ross, you want to tell me a story about uh, Robin, son of Batman? Yeah. So, as listeners know, we're pretty big fans of Robin, son of Batman. It's a true story. Um, we we met Pat, and we're all pretty good friends with Pat, and like all his stuff. This is actually one of I think it's the second issue since. I want to say this. I want to say this is the third issue since. Uh, well, Pat, Pat is not You're currently right. on the book. It's a, it's the third issue that Ray Fox has taken over on. Right, which we find out now, which from, yeah, from recent releases of DC, blah, 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 about Rebirth, and uh, from Mick Gray, that uh, they're going to be working on Superman, uh, Mick, uh, Pat, and Peter DeMossi. Mm. So the whole group is basically back together as a team doing the Superman book instead of Batman Robin or Robin Son of Batman. So that's where they've been for the last couple months. True. Not that the fox has done bad, because he's done fine. Yep. And that's, uh, the story is done by Ray Fox. Art is done by Ramon Box. And colors are done by Matt, I don't know if it's Lopes or Lopez. I'm going to say it's Lopes. Hopefully that's right. Let us know if it's not. I, I guess, Matt, if you hear it and you're like, damn it. <laughs> Words would be great. We take off in the story where Robin has been tracking down uh, this other kid that looks an awful lot like Robin, but is the leader of this crazy tribe of... I, I don't even know what you would consider them, really. They're not like an army, but they're, they're, just, they're this crazy tribe that's trying to raise a destroyer of the Earth, basically. Like, I, I read where someone described it as Gozer the Kazarian from... From it's, Ghostbusters. It's pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty so good. So that's basically what I picture from now. Um, they've been tracking him through Gorilla City, and now they're on Dinosaur Island, which, I, kind of ironically enough, doesn't really play much of a part in the story at all, where the setting is. Um, but you find out that as, as Damien's been tracking them, Talia has kidnapped Maya, who was uh, Nobody 2. Yeah, nobody's the nobody nobody's daughter from well, from the first half of the story, the girl was hanging out with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think she was calling herself nobody too or maybe I think she was so. just I don't remember that. Nobody. I can't remember what she I can't yeah. I don't remember that. Um and then Batman through tracking them on the Justice League computers noticed a giant flying bat going across the globe and decided to team up as well to see what was going on. As they've arrived on Dinosaur Island, Talia shot Maya in the back in the previous issue because she assumed that Maya was part of this crazy tribe that had stolen the artifact from Damien and was trying to resurrect this destroyer of the world. Uh, you find out that she didn't shoot her to kill her, though. So Tally's just misunderstood. Yeah. And evil. <laughs> um, so basically most of the issue is is Damien actually finding this kid and fighting him. A really cool little detail that does play into it being Dinosaur Planet, or Dinosaur dinosaur Island that you find out in it, is that the crazy volcano that's in the middle of Dinosaur Island actually has a giant Lazarus pit in the bottom of it. Which I like because that explains why there's dinosaurs on Dinosaur Island. Giant Lazarus pit keeping them alive. All a giant time. circle. Yep. Um... <laughs> So as Damien and Goliath find him, he's released these crazy, like, giant worm monsters. And he's basically unleashed what will end up being the end of the world. Uh, the villain, not Damien. The villain's name is Surin Daga, I believe. 
uh, crazy little kid that's uh, almost exactly like Damien. It's actually a really cool kind of... It's like a good parallel between the two of them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, As they're fighting, Damien's like, you're the only one that can stop this. And and he's like, I understand. I, I try to win the approval of my dad and... I want to say his dad's the destroyer that's ultimately going to come back and destroy everything, if I'm catching it right. So Damien has found out that he's, like, not going to beat this kid to fix things. He's got to connect with him somehow to fix it. And as soon as he connects with him and the kid's like, you're right, I can stop this, I'll stop this, Damien straight up uppercuts him, knocks him out, and walks off and says, fool, is is probably the most Damien thing I've seen in comics in a long time, and it was so awesome. Um, from there, Talia takes the kid's body, and we're not sure what's going to happen. It does have one moment at the end that I'm like, I don't know if he would really do that, where, where Talia and Batman are fighting, and he walks over to Goliath and Maya, and he's like, oh, you're my real family. And they have a big group hug, which is not very Damien-y, but... Anyway, overall, the story was a pretty cool story. Uh, I, it's not quite up there from what it was to me in the past, but he does do a good job of of using Damien's tone, the way that Damien would work through most of the issue, and Talia's about what you would expect her to be. And, uh, I like the idea of Dinosaur Island being on a giant Lazarus pit. I think that's a cool kind of extra thing that he threw in there. So... Overall, I'd probably give it a 3 out of 5. Pretty good. Not the greatest thing ever, but pretty awesome. The art was pretty good for the whole thing, and decent story. So. Cool. Right on. Um, you know, I, I follow suit and give it give it a 3 and a quarter. Um, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's like you said, I, it's not it's not the best of that series, book-wise. And the end is a little, is a little weird, just, just from what we see, but... It was still a fun story, still a good read. I mean, overall, the series itself, I, I say, is a, probably a four score for the entire series. But as far as books are concerned, yeah, it's good. I, I like it just fine. The tone's good for Damien. I like to use Maya, and you know, it's it's back to Talia versus Batman stuff, so that's good. I thought it was interesting that they broke them all up. From like Goliath went somewhere different, and Maya went somewhere different, and Damien went somewhere different, and then they realized. That they probably work better together and all went back together again. But right, uh, Robbie, a score? Yeah, one of actually enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I would give it, I give it a three. Like I said, I, I think the the end is a little, a little off. But I like a lot of the the setup for the issue, and I like the way that they've gone with the whole series. I guess in in, mm. in full. But like this this particular issue, I I don't feel like it falls off completely. No, but Ray Fox, he does do a really good job of, of picking up where Pat left off, and it yeah. still does seem like Damien. It's really funny to me that they had that one panel that was so much like exactly what you'd picture Damien doing, though, and then you have that end, and it's like... Huh. I get where you were going for there, but it wasn't really... It didn't, it didn't quite fit the, the rest of his, yeah. his tone. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the issue. I think three is, I think a solid three. So. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, all right, well, let's move on to um, Spider-Man number four. That's right, the, the non-amazing Spider-Man. 
You don't say it that way. Put the man down. Nah, it's Miles Morales, actually. This series has been fantastic so far. I, I really, I really, really didn't like the Ultimates. And so I really didn't read a lot of the Ultimates. Um, and so Miles, I knew about him, I knew stuff about him, but I hadn't had a whole lot of real time with him. As the series has gone, I just, I really like him. I understand why he works so well for the Ultimates. But um, this story is being written by Brian Michael Bendis. No, that's um, crazy. With art by Sarah Pachilia. If, if I got that wrong, I'm very sorry, because phenomenal artist. Uh, with inks by Gretano Karlick. Uh, and and Justin uh, Ponzer doing the colors, so and also helping with the cover. Um, but Miles had a lot of adjustment coming into this. It's it's not a matter of adjusting from the Ultimates to the regular Marvel Universe because they just seamlessly threw him in there, and he's worked out really well. Um, and they're actually doing a really good job of tying this together with what's going on with the all new, all different Avengers. But a lot of what's going on with uh, Miles right now is kind of balancing. His work as Spider-Man and his work in school. And his family kind of really cracking on him as his graves are following. And he's kind of getting to that point where he's trying to have to make that decision of being Spider-Man or being Miles and what he can do between there. Because like Pete, he doesn't want to quit. He doesn't want to quit being Spider-Man, but... Well, like Pete, he's he's got his whole other life to take care of. Exactly. Uh, and one of the big things that's happened in, in school lately is they got a new student, which is uh, Fabio, or Golden Balls, from <laughs> the uh, Uncanny X-Men. And Miles' best friend is basically like, I, I really want to meet him, but he won't go over if Miles doesn't go over. And so like a lot of the beginning of the story is basically them hashing out like who's going to go over there, and Miles being kind of like, I don't want to talk to this guy. And, like, it kind of gets down to the point of, like, almost uh, how how tough it is to be heavyset and Asian and how tough it is to be black and Spanish and, like, what who has a, a harder time at it, you know? Uh, all the way up until, like, Fabio actually winds up introducing himself and uh, Miles' friend kind of lets a big secret go. I don't really want to get into too much there, but... Uh, it winds up having some great, like, interpersonal dialogue between the two and kind of shows a lot of this relationship that he has with his best friend, which I was so glad they brought over from the Ultimates universe as well. Um, as we get a little bit further into the story and we get some um, some more Spider-Man action, I almost said Amazing Spider-Man action, which wouldn't be good because, you know, two Spider-Mans. Um, <laughs> uh. We wound up dealing with him having to figure out a way to take care of missiles that have been fired at him in the city. And they're all like heat-seeking missiles. Um, and it kind of is just... Like him dealing with this is, is bringing him into conflict with kind of a new rising power in the underworld of, of Marvel. And it's something, if you're following Amazing and you follow the last few issues of just Spider-Man you kind of know that we're seeing some people that maybe we didn't think were all that in the Spider-Man universe 
kind of rising up to become more important players. Issue is fantastic. It's one of those ones that's kind of just... It really focuses more on who he is as a character and doesn't have a lot of action, but the action kind of is very important as it goes through. So, fantastic issue. I know we kind of like had to skip over some of the... Well, there's a lot bits. of giveaway stuff that you can't. You, you, yeah, you need to not the spoil issue. the entire book. You gotta, yeah, you know. Um, but I, I just love the personality that they gave him. I love how, how kind of interesting and deep he is, because it's really just not a, a switch around of, of who's wearing the Spider-Man costume. He's he's definitely his own person, and it doesn't feel like we're just reading old Spider-Man stories. Miles' stories are definitely different and have a lot of different consultation to go along with them. Sure. Uh, Rob, you got to score for that book? Uh, I've been super impressed with the Spider-Man series so far. I, I'd give it a four. I really enjoy it. Love the artwork for it. Storyline is fantastic. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, once again, incredible writer. <laughs> um, and then Sarah's fantastic artist. Like, Definitely. That's a good-looking book, yeah. Got to keep an eye on, on her. She's going to go big places. So I'd, I'd give it a four. All right. Uh, Mr. Ross? I would give it a... Yeah, it's tough. I'd probably give it a four, too. Uh, I honestly... Like like I've said, I'm not a big Marvel person, but this Spider-Man book was great. And, and like Rob said, he, he's totally different than Peter Parker. But at the same time, it feels like a Spider-Man story to me. Like, just everything about it does. And, and I liked that it wasn't a huge... It wasn't like a big epic story. It was a very grounded and personal story, but still had a lot of good conflict and a good resolution in there. And yeah, yeah. Well, good issue, good art, good story. And I think, actually, they brought up a pretty important element for his character moving forward. Mm-hmm. And something we didn't get to talk about because of you know the spoiler in the issue, but I think it's I think it's important. So, right, um, you know I I follow suit with you guys. I give it four and a half. I mean, Bendis, he almost I want to say almost everything Miles Morales related he wrote, even the stuff almost all that Ultimate stuff, if not all of it. In my head, I don't feel like there's any book that he didn't do for Miles. So like as far as a finely crafted character, I mean the dude has been writing books for a while, and but Miles is just awesome. Um, setup wise, it's, I mean, it's a good set of stories. I mean, the issue before this, we went up dealing with, uh, the new Miss Marvel and how her and Miles fit together, and that was awesome. Yeah. Um, all the stuff going on, the you know, all new Avengers has been really cool. But yeah, this book just adds to more of that. So as far as stories, it's cool when they bring over the rest of his cast, because whenever they were doing the Secret Wars, I was kind of afraid that if Miles just shows up by himself, there's a lot of pieces there that are important pieces, so, I'm glad that cast came with him. Uh, but yeah, book-wise, yeah, I give this one a four and a half. I mean, it's good stuff. If, if you're not reading it, you're really missing out, because it's, it's, it is awesome. Yeah, I, I, w- I can't say it's the best Spider-Man book on the shelf, but it's damn near. Amazing, and, and just Spider-Man clearly top, top-tier Spider-Man books. Yeah, I, know, I almost give Miles the edge right now, just because things in Spider-Man are a little weird. I, I do enjoy Miles' story, like, a lot. <laughs> right, <laughs> so... All right, well, let's do. Uh, you want to do? Do want to do one more code? Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. So this particular code, surprisingly enough, has to do with uh, the young Miles Morales Spider-Man. This is the digital download code for Spider-Man number three, 
Oh, the yeah. issue just prior to the current issue. Yeah. Or the issue we just did the review of. Yes. All right, there we go. All right. Uh, code is F like Frank, C like cat, M like mom, C like cat, 6, H like Henry, 1, N like Nancy, Z like Zoloft, 1, W like Wis, Will, man, and G like George. Kind of got lost there at the end. Let me go through that one one more time. I feel pretty bad about that. F C M C six H one N Z one W G. Good luck, folks. Again, if you win, let us know on the Twitter. Oh my God! <laughs> I, I, I think once you read that issue, you're gonna be a buyer. Like you're gonna just want more miles. And I, this series is very strong, so. I totally, I, I'm 100% there too. I want to buy the last couple issues now and right. read them. I want to say, I think that issue three's got your favorite line with the Tulo. Uh, actually, it's issue two. Oh, it's issue yeah. two? My bad. Yeah, we get a, a, a new take on the old Mary Jane Watson. Frankly, Tiger, you hit the jackpot. <laughs> it's not what they say, but it's no. awesome. Um, Alright, so uh, near the end of the show, Rob. Rob, what'd you learn today? I learned that uh, out of all the design changes for ROM, they kept the toaster head. <laughs> that is a true statement, and a, and a, and a good one. Uh, Ross, what'd you learn today? I learned that Avenger eats lizards. That's that true. is true. Yeah, that's uh, that's a meat-eating uh, <laughs> eagle. Man, that is, he's right. Or he is. Or bird eagle. You're right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's wow. That's, that's a good one. Uh, so, uh, Ross, what I learned today? Uh, um, Rob, what did Steve learn today? Uh, Steve learned today that Falcon 7 is the whole joke for Philkin 7, as Harvey referred man's name. <laughs> that's a true statement. I, I'm not sure if I knew that or not, but I'm going to feel like I didn't. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I like how Ross passed the block. Good job, Ross. Nice. You know what? I think I know who the third smartest person is, but we're going to table that. Oh, no, man, I'm answer now. Uh, you know, I think it's this. I think it's the uh, the Herculoids guy. I think it's the barbarian from the Herculoids. Oh, you that know, makes sense. I yeah. can see that. I had a theory myself too. But, Was yeah. that the same answer? No. What Was your theory? I think we've heard a lot that uh, Frankenstein Junior, the the kid. I forgot his name now. Okay. That his mom is like the top robotics expert in the world and built mm. Frankenstein Junior. To be his protector, right? I'm thinking that his mom is probably the other. Now, I'm going to say I'm going to say she's in the running, but I will give you the Hercules had their own variant cover, and that barbarian looks like uh, Conan. He's supposed to be a scientific genius. Well, that's I don't know if I ever I don't know if I made it up in my head or not, or if it's actual something I learned somewhere. But I want to say. Uh, so the main Herculoids guy was Xandor? Yeah, Xandor was a scientist. Yes. Yeah. So C-C-Y. I can totally see the Robs too. His uh his idea of wearing pants and not wearing pants because he's a genius. <laughs> Alright, let's do some books to watch. Oh my god. Uh who got books to watch? When do you guys go? Uh surprising enough, the uh the wacky racer. Okay. The one that they're gonna do. Like actually it looks fantastic, even though like we kinda I kind of cracked on it a little bit, but it looks like Mad Max because they had the guy working on Mad Max helping them. And I I can't imagine you remaking a race comic any other way, so... Man, yeah, and if you're going to remake something to be like something else, 
get the person that was making the other thing you're trying to make it <laughs> right that's a good point that's yeah good point that's true uh unfortunately you know I, I can't look forward to the rom cover where he's like blasting the my little ponies because they're diarrheas <laughs> although i wanted to see that um civil war <laughs> is that a real cover that no, would be, that'd be awesome. no it's, it's a rom pony just, I've seen the picture. It's just, what Rob describes, because <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious. Um, Civil War Two should be fantastic. Um, I, I think it's really going to be worthwhile to follow that series through. Uh, I've really liked Moon Knight so far. Sp- Spider Man, just the regular series, has been great. Rebirth is coming up soon. Um, I think next week is say next one. week is the uh, universe book. Yes, yeah. Birthright is fantastic. Black Science and um, Deadly Class. Deadly Class, of course, yeah. for for old Mike. So don't call him names. No, oh. well, for awesome. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Mike's an awful. There you go. Oh, this is old. Oh, okay. I, I guess old is a name now. I like to point out things that are not nice. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. We miss you, buddy. <sighs> Ross, books to watch. Uh, well, of course, like all the books we talked about today were awesome, and I'm excited for the next issue of all of them, even the ones I didn't read before tonight. It's true. Uh, in particular, I'm really excited for Future Quest number two. Uh, we also have Scooby Apocalypse coming out next week. Right. Which I honestly don't know if I'm more excited about that or Rebirth, and Rebirth is supposed to be a big universe... Changing event yeah. or book? It is eighty pages, Ross, for the mild three ninety nine. But, but so we get the reprints. And Scooby then the reprints Apocalypse has a dog in it. I was talking talks. the entire time you were talking. Go on with the dog. Scooby Apocalypse has a talking dog in it. Perfect. <laughs> what does he talk? Or does yeah. he emoji? It's the same thing, Rob. Well, he kind of talks in the preview. Yeah. Yes. Huh. I. It might be Shaggy imagining him talking. Whatever. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, with Darth Vader ending, I'm really excited to kind of see how it will end and what the future of those characters are. And I've also been reading the Superman... It's not the death of Superman. I don't remember the exact title for the event. Oh, man. Um, something end. Final final days. But it's been a really cool event. Next week is the last issue of that as well. And I'm really excited to see how that will lead into uh, Rebirth Superman. All these extra suitman book nonsense happening. Yeah. Some of those might be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So. All right. It's uh, good stuff. Um, let's see. Book-wise, I'd say uh, we got New Nightwing going to start uh, in, gosh, June, July, August. Should be the first New Nightwing. Uh, still going to be Tim Seeley, so it's the same writer that we know from Love and Revival. And same dude who's writing Grayson, just betting with Nightwing back in the suit, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, totally digging Harley Quinn. Um, have been from the get-go. I mean, Chad, Amanda, or Amanda, Jimmy, and Chad, all awesome. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, we're getting ready. We're going to have a new Batman 66. Uh, we just wrapped up the uh, Man from Uncle. so what are we going to get next? Batman 66 meets Steed and Mrs. Peel. Awesome. <laughs> no, really? so that's what I like. The Avengers and Batman. And I'm talking the original Avengers, Ross. And that's Black Widow, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I do like the Black Widow, though. You know what I'm saying. And the blah, blah, blah? Well, duh. It's what you're making sure. Yeah, there's a song about it. <laughs> but Kesha, <laughs> who's also fantastic. That's true. I think we just went through the circle of things Steve likes. Pretty much. I think yeah. we need a zombie in there. And then the only go. thing missing is zombies and, like, Pikachu. Cute yep. things that are dangerous. 
<laughs> it's pretty much, yeah, that's my whole bag. Key things are dangerous. Um, man, that's truth. Sorry. Truth. Truth. Derailed you. Completely. Um, pretty excited for ROM whenever that uh, starts coming out. I want to say July is when it's supposed to start. So look for, your, look for your first issues of ROM in July. You excited for Rob's made up cover too? Uh, man, you know what? I'm gonna tell you, somebody needs to get on that because if I get some, if I get, if I get some fan art of that, super happy, and I'm gonna send the codes to whoever it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Words, pants. Um, uh, delete, still like that. Um, also, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray still dig that book. Um, we're getting ready to have number three come out. Uh, we just recently got Sabrina back on task. Issue 5 oh, came out yeah. this last week, yeah, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, man, I feel like there was another one getting ready to come out from Image now. I can't remember what the heck it was called. Uh, yeah, can't remember what it was called. That is unfortunate. Uh, anyway, that's all I got. Anything else, boys? No, that's just probably mm-hmm. it. It's key? It's key? It's key. It's key. It's key. Walk as a 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 walk as